This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 121 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Hot guys, goals, and foals. Please support our sponsor as they make this show possible. Our title sponsor is Omega Alpha. You can find them at omegaalpha.ca. This episode is also sponsored by Equestrian Collections at equestriancollections.com. Plus Uncle Jimmy's, and you can find them at uncle jimmyscom This is Helena B, and you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning, Helena. We have Jennifer H. here. She's standing in for Glenn the Geek today. Unfortunately, Glenn couldn't be with us, um, but Jennifer's like my best friend in the whole wide world, so what more fun could we possibly have than hosting Stable Scoop together? Um, we also have Jamie Jennings joining us this morning briefly. She's from Horses in the Morning, and she co-hosts that with Glenn, and she's got a special announcement. Um, but before we, we get on to that, we're, uh, what we have today, we, we've got this special announcement from Jamie Jennings, uh, and we have two wonderful guests planned today. Um, we have Anastasia Burke who's been with us before. In fact, she was on Stable Scoop in the early days, uh, episode four to be exact. And uh, Anastasia is, is quite the inspiration uh, with very limited eyesight. She continues to ride. She writes books and a blog. And uh, she recently wrote a book on goals. And we thought it would be appropriate to have her on today to talk about goal setting for the new year. And uh, we also have Anna Twinney, Jen, don't we? She's going to be really fun. Um, natural horsemanship clinician, animal communicator, and Reiki master. Uh, Anna has been featured on television. She writes for national and international magazines. And she's the creator of the Reach Out to Natural Horsemanship DVD series. She's formerly the Monty Roberts Learning Center's head instructor, so she knows all about talking to the world. And Anna teaches people how to create genuine trust-based partnerships with their horses. And I can't wait to pick this lady's brain. We're definitely going to hear more from Anna, uh, but before this episode gets fully underway, we want to take a minute to highlight one of our sponsors, Omega Alpha. Well, Helena, Omega Alpha Pharmaceuticals creates only natural health products. Their scientists, guided by Dr. Gordon Chang, formulate a wide variety of mainly herbal health products to address many equine health problems. And I have on the line here Kyle Carter, who is an international eventer and well-known throughout the eventing world, who uses Omega Alpha products. Kyle, I understand that you started using uh, Omega Alpha about a year ago. Yeah, I've, I've been using it for about a year and have noticed a remarkable difference in the horses that have been on it. And then um, if, they've, if they've come off of it, the horse's health always has been better on it. Um, it's one of the few supplement companies that I wholeheartedly believe in. Well, thank you, Kyle. You know, Omega Alpha brings consumers the perfect marriage of nature and science. Look for all of their products at retailers nationwide or visit their website at omegaalpha.ca. That's omegaalpha.ca. 
Hello, everybody. You know, I must say it is always a great honor and pleasure to be a part of the Stable Scoop show on the Horse Radio Network. But I don't think that any time I've ever joined Stable Scoop, it has been for something as monumental and absolutely important as this. We've got a big secret. (laughs) You guys got secrets, all right, but that's not the ones we're talking about today. (laughs) I know, but we don't have secrets that are as good as the one we're talking about today. And I told you before, uh, JV came on and joined us, that we have a big announcement to make, and it's going to be probably one of the funnest things the Horse Radio Network has done all year. So I'm going to let Jamie actually make the official title announcement. What do we got? Oh, gosh. Well, I would like to say that first annual... And and when you say first annual, that leads me to believe that we'll be doing it again next year. So that's exciting, too. So we are doing the first annual 2010 Horse Radio Network Hottest Horseman Awards. Yeah! <laughs> so what we're doing is we're basically picking the hottest horse guys in the horse world and we are going to nominate vote we're going to take your submissions on a ton of different categories and we're going to make this basically all about the boys it is all about the boys and probably the more diplomatic approach would be to say that it's a celebration of the wonderful <laughs> horsemen in all of our lives uh you know the behind the scenes scoop is really that it's just a bunch of hotties <laughs> we get to look at a bunch of hotties now, there, yeah. there is a little bit of structure to this you you know we're not just pulling this out of our hats we do have categories and the uh the awards actually features the, the big award is the most eligible bachelor, right? Yes. We, uh, you know, there's so few horsemen in this world, and then there's even less single horsemen in this world. So we're really, you know, digging for the most eligible bachelor, single horse guys. Are, I mean, they can be professional riders. They can be somebody you live next door to that rides horses. Anybody that's single and a horseman, we want to know about, and then, you know, let the matchmaking begin. Because <laughs> we don't have enough to do, don't we? Now, when, you, when you said the guy that lives next door, I just had this vision of Bewitched and Agnes, who used to look out the window all the time. <laughs> Somebody named Agnes who looks out their window and watches some cowboy next next door work his horse every day nominating somebody. You well, can't blame I, him if he's hot. I mean, Exactly. That would be me. I, there'd be nose prints all on the window from my house. <laughs> uh, Helena's staring at me again. Oh, boy. <laughs> so crazy. Most eligible bachelor. And then we want to take a little bit more of a personal effect with the next two categories. We want to see the hottest horse husbands. Now, of course, my husband is the hottest horse husband, and I'm sure Helena thinks so, too, about hers. But, you know, what we want to do is we want to pick your hottest horse husband. It's a very coveted award. I mean, this is kind of a big deal. The other, yeah, the other category is hottest horse dad. We want to see a dad with their kids, you know, out there riding, out there playing with the horses. Do you have anything to add to that? Either one of those? Uh, Well, you know, horse dads could just be the dad that shows up at the shows, the dad that drives the truck and trailer. or dad that signs the checks. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That is hot. (laughs) That's way hot. Now, Um, yes, in the words of Paris Hilton, that's hot. It's hot. It's hot. Yeah, exactly. And when we quote Paris Hilton on the uh, Horse Radio Network, you know, we have fallen off the deep end. <laughs> and we've 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 dragged Jennifer with us. I know we have we have completely brought her down to our level. So uh, other categories, you know, 
I have no shortage of women that I know that have either dated their farrier or their veterinarian. So mm-hmm. there's so many hot farriers and vets out there. So we want to see your hottest farrier, your hottest vet. Send us the pictures, nominate them, and uh, go ahead and tell them, you know, the other two, Helena. We have it. Well, in addition to all those wonderful categories, we also have <laughs> the best horse couple. Now, it's not what you think. We're talking about the best horse and rider combination. And that could be anybody. That could be amateurs. That could be professional riders. It could be your neighbor across the street. that going <laughs> around on his quarter horse. It could be any horse and rider combination that you think are the best together. Absolutely. And then our personal favorite category, Helena. Oh, my gosh. I just love to say this because I can't wait <laughs> to see the pictures. Best in breeches. Oh, Best yeah. In breeches. Glenn has said a million times that there is no hot guy in breeches. And Helena and I immediately came up with two examples. I said Jose, Jose Ortelli, and you said Kyle Carter. Oh, um, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I and mean, yeah. that's just two. I mean, we could go on and on and on. And you know what? The best in breeches doesn't really, it, it's not limited by age. Or none of this is, is limited by age because um, I think any, and, and it's all about presence. You know, it's not just about, uh, physical confirmation. <laughs> We're not just you looking don't have for the to, confirmation shot here. Yeah, you don't have to person. look like a Ralph Lauren polo model or anything like that. Just it, it is like uh, Jennifer. Who is your favorite celebrity man? Sean Connery. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's all about the presence. It is so, all about, oh Sean and the accent. Well, uh, that helps. Yeah. Too. That helps. <laughs> it helps. So that's Jennifer's favorite. So, so we're not looking for a specific age. It's, it's the way they carry themselves, the way that they move, the way that kind of the way they look too, especially for best in breeches. And we have to have pictures of the men in breeches. Now, whether they know that you're taking the picture or not, it's up to you. (laughs) If you just walk behind (laughs) them and snap one, what are we going to do? We can't argue with that. So we want to see them now. uh, Helena, tell everybody how they can send us their nominations. You can send in your nominations by email and uh, you can send your photos with a, a couple of words description if you need to. But just keep it to under 200 words if you can uh, <laughs> to Jamie at horseradionetwork.com. That's J-A-M-I-E or to me, Helena at horseradionetwork.com. Or you can go to the Horses in the Morning Facebook page where you can post your nominations directly. You can upload your photos right there. Our yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So that that's going to be the most fun. The, the more people that we can get submitting their nominees uh, by Facebook, the better, because then we can all talk about it together. Now, the deadline is December 27th. So you've got plenty of time. I, I found that this has been a bright spot in my holiday season of stress and discomfort and working hard that, you know, to sit down and, and go through, you know, cowboys and rainers and ropers and vets and fairy and just basically completely looking for the hottest ones. I mean, it's really simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Until you have to pick which one is the hottest. Just wait. Now that, yeah. that, that brings up a good point because the winners will be selected by a, a, a four woman panel here at the horse radio <laughs> network. And that includes me, Jamie, Jennifer, as we've said, we dragged her into this, uh, not quite kicking and screaming, Jen. <laughs> and, uh, Roll, I'm and rolling my eyeballs a little bit. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
And uh, Samantha, who uh, was formerly the host of the 2010 radio show and, uh, you know, helped ignite this little fire as well. This isn't all Jamie and I. Samantha had her, she had her two cents in this as well. So that's the four-woman panel. Of course, we are definitely taking input from our listening audience. So we want to hear, if you see postings on uh, Facebook and you want to chime in on that particular nomination, go right ahead because that, that input is just as important to us. Absolutely. We welcome that. So most eligible bachelor. Hottest horse husband, hottest dad, hottest farrier, hottest veterinarian, best horse couple, of course, horse and rider, and then the coveted best in breeches award. And the only disclaimer I think I'm going to put is that, please, if you do submit your photos, PG-rated ones only. I mean, it's still a sort of family show. Yeah, it is. This is not a calendar shoot, okay? We want to see appropriate photos, so I can see it now. Horse radio banned from Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) That would be bad. Well, cool, you guys. I'm excited to start getting the submissions. And, you know, it's just going to be a lot of work for us girls. But we will push through. (sighs) I don't know how we're going to do it. Maybe a glass (laughs) of wine in hand, some eggnog. I don't know. Some chocolate. (laughs) <laughs> chocolate and wine the perfect <gasps> we combination could have, we could, yeah good yeah uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. well jamie thank you very much for joining us today i know that our listeners are excited or they will be as excited as you and i and uh, <laughs> so that's everybody go to horses in the morning uh facebook page or horses in the morning.com and uh, you can stay updated on what's going on with the 2010 horse radio network hottest horseman awards thanks jamie thank you bye see ya <laughs> Your source for all your holiday shopping this year is EquestrianCollections.com. EquestrianCollections.com offers all the holiday gift-giving ideas that you would ever want. For your wife, for your husband, for that horsey kids in your life, for your horse. You can cover them all, your farrier, your veterinarian, all the professionals in the horse world are covered as well. You can find all the gifts you'd possibly need at equestriancollections.com. And just for the listeners of the Horse Radio Network, they have offered a coupon. Just a promo, use the promo code radio show, all one word radio show, at checkout and you'll get $10 off your next order of $120 or more. So that's coupon code radio show at checkout and you'll get $10 off your next order of $120 or more for all of your holiday shopping needs at equestriancollections.com. And so I introduced uh, Anastasia Burke a little bit before we got the episode fully underway. And uh, as I mentioned, she's been with us before. Anna does have uh, some physical challenges. But um, And if you want to hear all about Anastasia's background, go back and listen to episode four of the Stable Scoop Show. But today we're going to talk to Anastasia about goal setting uh, for the new year. So welcome, Anastasia. Welcome, Anastasia. Thank you for joining us on Stable Scoop once again. I am so happy to have you back. Well, thanks for having me back. And I wanted to say, gosh, in the years since I talked to you guys, you guys have taken off like gangbusters. So congratulations on that. Thank you. You see what you helped us start? I'm sorry? You see what you helped us start? You were definitely a part of that launch. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it's all about me. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, girl. Well, you were on episode four, so that was definitely the the very beginnings of the Horse Radio Network. Oh, well, it's really exciting, and I tell everybody about you guys all the time, because what I love is that, you know, there's something for everybody. 
there's the stable scoop news. There's, you know, the eventers have a place to go to. Hunter jumpers have a place to go to. Um, you know, rainers, dressage riders, anybody. You got us yeah. all covered. We really do, don't we? Boy, how'd that happen? You do. Well <laughs> we done. Must, well we done. We must have set some kind of goal. How do you like that segment? Really? You know, that's one of my favorite topics, oddly enough. <laughs> do you think you might know a little and something it's a great about time that? I'm here to, what's that? Do you think you might know a little something about that? I know a little something about it. I'm actually certified as a goal as a uh, life coach, but my area of expertise is in helping um, people in sports and in particular horseback riders set goals. And uh, it's a great time of the year to start thinking about that because, you know, we're coming up on a new year. And, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting subject because it can involve anything from I want to buy a horse in the next year to um, I'm going to ride my first dressage test or I've ridden a bunch of dressage tests and this year I'm going to make my scores go up by 10 points or something like that. So um, goal setting is really, you know, the, the format is um, pretty basic, but it's applicable to just about anything. Why is it important to set goals? And, and should everybody set some kind of goal? Well, me personally, I think, yes, everybody should set some kind of goal. I think the reason that I got into it is that when I was a kid um, training in the Pacific Northwest under Susie Dix, one of my teammates was a gal named Cindy Birch, who was one of the first people that was certified under the U.S. Eventing Association's new, uh, well, it's not so new anymore, but their instructor program. And, um, you know, it was really interesting watching Cindy ride because we were teens at the time. And I used to go out, and I was used to taking lessons pretty much every day. And when I turned to eventing, my coach was like, oh, you'll have maybe two lessons a week. The rest of the time you're working on your own. And that was a shock for me because I'd had somebody yelling at me every day since I was, you know, eight years old. And all of a sudden, at the age of 15 or 16, to be cut loose was sort of like, okay, what do I do? And I noticed that Cindy, um, who unfortunately passed away uh, just a few years ago um, in Montana at, a, at an event, very tragic, but um, went out the way she wanted to. But at any point, at any rate, um, she would go into the ring, and yeah, she was about three years younger than me, and I'd think, oh, my gosh, she's 13 years old, and she's so focused. And years later, I realized the difference between us was that Cindy went into the ring every time she rode with a goal. Whereas I kind of went in there going, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so <laughs> Sounds like the me. reason that, sorry? Sounds like me. <laughs> well, and so the thing is that I literally didn't know what to do. And I'd go out and I'd trot a little bit. And then maybe I'd canter and I'd kind of go, okay, I guess I'm done. Instead of thinking, wow, at my last lesson, I was really having trouble sitting in the trot. I need to spend at least 10 to 15 minutes a d- today working on my sitting trot. And whether that means I, you know, post twice, sit once. Or, you know, and, and keep working up. I, you could have a plan for that. I didn't get that at the time. And so goal setting really helps people not only figure out where they want to go, but how to get there. And if you think of it as planning a vacation, so you know you want to go on a vacation, but if you don't know where you want to go, when you want to get there, or how you want to travel to get there, well, you can't even plan how you're going to travel because first you don't know where you're going. And so that's, you know, goal setting tells you very clearly where you want to go, when you want to get there, and how you're going to get there. 
And a really good way to use this is um, for weight loss for horseback riding, you know. I want to lose 20 pounds by March 11th, and this is how I'm going to do it. So, yeah, it's it's a very effective way for people to get focused on what they want to get accomplished. I think it's also, um, you know, I like the idea that you have something to work toward because you do sometimes flounder. I know that <clears throat> sometimes when I get on, even just for my daily rides, not necessarily for competing and showing, but, uh, you know, exercises, things that I want to accomplish each day. And Sometimes in my head, before I actually get on my horse, I say, okay, today we're going to work on transitions. But then what happens is I get in the saddle and my horse might have a different idea. And I know that to work on my goal that day might not be productive for both of us. So um, sometimes the goal doesn't, ha- doesn't present itself until you're right there in the middle of things. How, and how does sometimes- that yeah, you have to do something, what I call a mid-course correction, <laughs> because you are, as you very, you know, rightly pointed out, you're not just dealing with a human being, you're dealing with a human being with emotions and feelings and, and moods, and a horse with emotions, feelings, and moods, and so, yeah, I've had that experience where I'm all set to go out and work on a great canter depart today, and my horse is like, no, you're actually going to be bucked off. So, you know, you have to then sort of sit back and not get frustrated. And this is where goal setting, I think, is really great because you can take a deep breath and say, okay, this was my goal, but it's not going to work today. So let me scale it back and go back to working on trot departs and that kind of thing. Um, You definitely, um, when you set a goal, the mid-course corrections, um, I'll go back to weight loss, you know. Uh, a lot of people this time of year, I have a lot of, I just talked to a woman yesterday, she wants to lose 70 pounds. And she's, she really set herself um, a goal that was unrealistic, which is one of the big reasons that people fail when they set goals. And what I pointed out to her is, you know, your birthday's going to come up here. You know, you don't want to spend your birthday not eating cake. You'd, I mean, it makes people upset. So I said, that's one of those spots where you're just going to take a little break. And so... When you're dealing with goal setting in horses, it's kind of the same thing. You can do the same thing. Today, my plan didn't work. Let me scale back and set a different goal. Oh. And then you work on that and come back to the, the original goal maybe the next day or, or even next week. So what happens is you have the long-term goal where you're going to go on vacation, but those course corrections affect the short-term goals that get you to the long-term. So you want to go to Hawaii um, and you want to go there in January, but in December, you break your leg. So, obviously, you're going to have to change some goals there. You're still going to go to Hawaii, but maybe you're going to change it to Hawaii in February. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. That, that's right. And, you notice uh, I didn't pick know, weight loss. I picked Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that cake comment had me drooling. I'm kind of hungry. I have to tell you, I deal with it every day. It just, yeah, it's a toughie, you know. <laughs> and I actually, um, I think if you remember from the last show, I lost my vision quite severely about mm, 14 years ago now. And the treatment for that made me gain a lot of weight, a lot of weight. And I ended up losing it finally, 79 pounds. But taking it, keeping it off every day is—it's a workout. I never had problems with my weight until this happened, and now it's every day I'm diligent. But you know what? I have those moments where I'm like, I'm going to the movies, I'm having popcorn and milk duds, and 
so what? And I'll work on it tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> right. You know. And the yeah, stress I relief think, that you get from that flexibility probably is probably exactly what you needed at that at that moment, just to like break free a little bit from the structure. Absolutely, you have to give yourself little breaks and little rewards. And some people do it when they're doing weight loss by I'm going to buy my you know they reward themselves with buying clothes or you know something you know new pair of shoes or whatever whatever your deal is. But Another yeah, horse. Have to, I I have a. I think where people sometimes fail with goal setting, and and if I could think about it in terms of horseback riding, they get a little too rude. Um, and and again, it's back to you know you're not dealing with just you; you're dealing with a horse. And we all know our horses have their their personalities, and sometimes you know they're not they're not on the same page with you. Well, you know but, that's a good a good um, uh, I don't want to say analogy, but a, a good side by side goal comparison is that when in trying to lose weight, you know, sometimes my appetite has a mind of its own. <laughs> and so, you know, you can't always control it. So you do have to be a little bit flexible there. Um, you, you are dealing and with horses. Yeah. You, so you have to be willing to, like you said, what, what did you call it? Changing the, um, course. Mid- it's a mid course correction or, or a it's game change plan, either, either one. Um, you know, you might find also that, for example, if your goal is that this year you're going to buy a horse and you have an idea that, you know, okay, what do I need to do to, uh, the goal is to buy a buckskin for, for raining. And you want a buckskin and you want to do raining. And then part of your plan as you go through this is, well, i got to learn how to be a better raining rider. So you start taking lessons and then you realize that you actually don't like raining and you mm. want to do dressage or you want to do three-day eventing. That's a mid-course correction where you can change your goal, absolutely. So how um, do you I know – I'm sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. H- how do you know then what is a reasonable goal to set for yourself? Well, you there's, there's several components to creating a good goal. And um, most people in goal setting or any sort of you know, strategic planning know the acronym SMART, which is that it's, your goal is specific, it's measurable, it is achievable, it's realistic, and you have a time frame associated with it. So in terms of being specific, you want to know where you're going and when you're going to get there. So it's a very short, brief sentence. I want to ride a dressage test, my first dressage test, by June 10th. Um, and it doesn't have anything in there, you'll notice, about how well that person's going to do. That's the only goal. Is I'm, My only goal is just to get to that show and get in the ring. And that's a really good goal for a first-time competitor, a very good goal, because it doesn't have anything associated with I'm going to win, you know. It's just that get the experience. Um, it's measurable. You know, she can tell by her lessons um, whether or not she's progressing to the point where she's you know, qualified, actually, and, and I actually, you know, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go into the ring by June 10th and ride my first dressage test and do it with dignity, I guess, or something like that. So you don't end up, you know, you don't want to go and have your horse bucking all over the place or look like you don't know what you're doing. So, so the goal then becomes measurable because as she practices, she'll know whether or not she's able to do, you know, a halt salute and her horse will stand still. There's little things within the test that tell you whether or not you're making progress towards your goal. So um, a better way maybe to explain this is back to weight loss. If you're trying to lose weight for horseback riding, you know that if you want to lose 20 pounds, that scale helps you measure whether or not you're getting there. The next thing is whether your goal is actually achievable. Um, 
And achievable and realistic kind of come into, they're a little bit similar, but achievable would be that if you, you know, if you, you want to make sure that you're setting a goal that you can actually reach. If you want to buy a horse and, and it's a $50,000 horse and your budget is $25,000, I don't know. Can you come up with the other 25? Is that an achievable goal for you? You have to ask yourself whether or not that's, that's really true um, or whether it's realistic. And, um, you know, in terms of weight loss, maybe for horseback riding, it would be that um, you've made your goal, you set the timeline of your goal perhaps too soon to lose the weight that you want to lose. So, therefore, you're setting yourself up for failure and it's not achievable. Um, the next thing is whether or not your goal is realistic. And last year I worked with a kid in Pony Club who was so cute. She said... Um, <laughs> She said that she wanted to, she had a competition goal, that she, and she was like a D, I want to say she was like a D3 pony club rider, and she wanted to compete in a competition, and she was going to be jumping 3-3, and she had all these big goals, and, you know, I thought it sounded great, but I did not know the kid, and I didn't know the horse, and so by the time the trainer got back and we discussed this goal, the trainer's like, well, that's a great goal for maybe two years down the road. But for this year, it's a little unrealistic. So you want to make sure that when you're setting your goal that you've got a really realistic um, goal that can be achieved because, again, setting yourself up for failure, you'll just go backwards. And then the last thing is that um, you want to have a time frame associated with your goal. So, you know, I want to ride a dressage test by June 10th. That way it gives you when you guys when, – when you guys – when people set a goal and they have a hard date by which they need to achieve the goal, it gives the goal gas. It gives it fire. It makes it that driving thing that, that just keeps you going and focused on it. So those, those are the real big components, and you can remember them by SMART. Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and associated with a time frame. I like that. That's another little tool for the toolkit. Another tool for the barn toolkit. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I I, unfortunately we're 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 short on time today, but um, Anastasia, where can people find more information about uh, goal setting, about your uh, philosophies and and your guidelines for goal setting, and um, more information about that? You know, right now I'm reworking my website, so if people have questions, they can actually go to my blog all about standardbreads.blogspot.com, and they can email me there. And the one thing that I wanted to finish was, you know, the best thing that anybody can do as they're, as they're trying to move towards goals this year is track your progress. Set a goal with your trainer for each lesson or each ride, and then, you know, figure out how you did during that lesson. Write it down in a notebook. My book, um, Hoof Prints, a goal-setting journal for young riders, which is available through me and is really for kids that are like 11 years old and up because it's got a lot of cute pictures and scrapbook and stickers and stuff. But um, in the back part of it, what I really love is that there's a section for where you can track your lessons. You set a goal with your trainer and you, um, and then you track how you did so that when you go back and practice alone, you can look back at those pages and go, oh, that's what I was working on. That didn't work. So that's what I'm going to work on today. Now, you don't need to buy my book. I wish you would, but <laughs> you don't need to buy <laughs> my book to do that. You know, go get post- a notebook, write down a goal, set one with your trainer, and, and, you know, use that to help you improve this year. 
Although the, the book right. would be nice, and we are going to post links to uh, to where folks can find your book um, at StableScoop.com, so keep an eye out for that. Anastasia, it is always a pleasure to have you on. I hope you'll join us again in the future. And uh, I will, thank- and again, congratulations to you guys. Really, um, you know, just great work, and um, Jennifer, nice to talk to you as well, and, you know, keep that horse husband healthy. <laughs> well, we're working on it. It's not easy. <laughs> Yeah, get him back to work. <laughs> I'll go crack my whip. <laughs> That's All right. Goal. Thanks, guys, so much. All right. Take care. Have a good day. Bye. Bye-bye. As always, Anastasia continues to be an inspiration to us. What a fabulous philosophy on goal setting. I, I can't wait to... Uh, to set some goals for myself, although I don't think I'm going to set any goals that have to do with losing weight, especially around the holidays. <laughs> That's asking for mischief. I know. I like cake too much. <laughs> um, and, you know, we actually have coming up Anna Twinney. She's our, our next guest. Uh, but before we talk to Anna, we're going to hear very quickly from one of my favorite sponsors, Uncle Jimmy's Brown Products. <laughs> could be better for the holidays than a gift from Uncle Jimmy's. Where else can you get hanging balls and squeezy buns for that horse lover in your life? Horses love Uncle Jimmy's treats, and their owners do too. No stocking is complete without an Uncle Jimmy's treat. Don't disappoint your horse this holiday season. Treat him to Uncle Jimmy's. Learn more about the products and to find a dealer near you, visit uncle-jimmys.com. That's uncle-jimmys.com. And we have with us today Anna Twinney, who is an internationally respected natural horsemanship clinician, an animal communicator, and a Reiki master. Anna's been featured on television. She writes for national and international magazines and is the creator of the Reach Out to Natural Horsemanship DVD series. She was formerly the Monty Roberts Learning Center's head instructor, and now Anna teaches people how to create genuine, trust-based partnerships with their horses. Today, Anna's going to talk to us about something that she's been working on. Um, it's it's foal gentling, and uh, the foals that we're talking about are Premarin foals. Some of you may or may know about this, but Anna's going to give us the details on uh, on what's going on with the Premarin foals and, and how those are being gentled. Welcome, Anna. Hi, good morning. How are you guys? Very well. Thank you for joining us on Stable Scoop. I know everybody loves foals. I don't, I don't know a horse man or woman who, uh, who can look away from a gorgeous little foal. And uh, you've been working with them to, to some extent. Tell us a little bit about what you've got going on there. Well, it's a really wonderful project. We actually teamed up with Equine Angels, and Frank Weller brought in 10 foals from Canada. And all the 10 foals were actually destined for not a nice outcome because with the Premarin mares, the Premarin mares, going back a bit here actually, the Premarin mares, um, they have their urine collected and they're in stalls for about seven months of the year where nowadays the water isn't so much regulated but the stalls are so that they're back-to-back pregnant in order to collect the Premarin for the hormone replacement therapy. As a result of that, currently about 5,600, 6,000 babies are actually destined for slaughter. They become a byproduct of the drug for hormone replacement therapy. And so we were fortunate to actually save 10 of them. And the 10 came over to Connecticut to Ray of Light Farms, which is the place, the, the rescue, which 
takes care of them and homes them. And what we did, and it's a one of its kind, actually, clinic, where the foals have come in, we've got the ten foals, and I've teamed up with both rescues, and I come in and gentle them. But I've created a class out of it, a clinic out of it. And so this really gives the foals a second chance. It introduces people to foal gentling, and it means that people learn how to deal with weanlings and how to gentle them. So gentling horses is one thing. Gentling mustangs is one thing because they're wild. They've been out on the range. Gentling foals is another thing. You might think it's the same subject, but it truly isn't. And so these foals come in quite feral. Um, the only contact that they've had with humans would have been negative, actually, and that would mean they were running shoots, they would have had the Coggins test taken. They would have possibly had vaccinations and worming. And um, then they get delivered with the trailer to the new rescue. And so the interaction is challenging at best. And so with the methods that I'm using and the language of the horse, we're actually gentling them on their terms, more or less, more or less, because, of course, some of them may not come around as quickly as others. And you're looking at that 50-50, so you don't bring up the adrenaline, but in fact keep it very calm, gentle. Don't induce the flight, the fight, or the freeze. And you truly are looking for that whisper, realizing that every imprint that you make, so every interaction you have with this foal could be everlasting because it's that first interaction. So you're now at a point where you're able to take uh, these practices, these gentling practices, and share them with folks in clinics, Yeah. You know, and, and it's really cute that you say that because this actually worked out to be one of the most challenging clinics of my career. <laughs> and people bringing their horses or last chance horses or supplying horses so that people can learn the language of Equus is one thing. And you're quite right. I, When I've done this myself and I've flown out to Canada and gentled the babies, I've been to Arizona to multiple locations and gentled this. So I've kind of finessed the technique. And I can gentle them in five days really nicely, not overloading them, getting them ready with the first halter, the first touch, first halter, leading, desensitizing, obstacle courses in hand, loading. And I built in an extra day. I thought, okay, to teach it, maybe it would be different because I can gentle 10 folds in a day. So we had 10 folds, 10 people. And I thought, all right, so it should go maybe quicker, not at all. I built in the extra day, and it, it was quite a challenge because you're putting advanced people, but with foals, and gentling foals is so different than teaching riding or teaching therapeutic riding or whatever it might be that you're doing. Gentling foals is a unique um, ability. And so, yes, I found it quite challenging. Day two was my most challenging day where I wasn't sure because that first reach out, that first touch, if you make a mistake, it can set you back five days. The mistake can be as simple as your timing off, i.e. you're rewarding them turning their butt, i.e. you've created that, that the foal turns its butt. Or your first touch is with the fingertips instead of the back of the hand, and that can really spook a fold to the point where they don't want to engage with you again. So now, these little intricacies that I kind of take for granted, you have to instill in the people. Yeah. So this this is very interesting. I'm actually at this very moment watching um, your PMU YouTube video of the clinic, and this is kind of particularly interesting for me because the farm where our horse lives – has a, I guess you would call him a foal. I think he's about a year old. 
but yeah, he yeah, would fit into this yeah. category because his only human contact in his life was very negative. Um, the only time he was ever contacted by a human was to be tackled, pushed to the ground, and then shoved into a trailer. Um, and it's been very interesting because the person who takes care of him and owns him um, is very familiar with and very much abides by um, natural techniques. She, she, is, and she's very good at it. But it is, it has been so different because he's got. I guess it's just like a, a human, a, a a three-year-old child doesn't react the same way to a situation as a ten-year-old child. They have a very different reaction and a very different mental process than an adult horse does, don't they? Totally. And by having the ten of them in there, Jenny, it's really interesting because the first touch would have come with some of them on day two and some were on day five. Wow. And yet on day five, they caught up and they graduated. When you see all the BVDs, they came out with virtually the same quantity of information. And what that means is slow is fast. You go slow enough that you establish a relationship, that you prove that you're not going to harm them, that it didn't matter if that foal, like Halen was on day five and Annie was on day five. Um, they went through all these mental stages, these emotional reactions to us. Um, and yet they still had blankets on. They still had their, I think the feet touched, maybe not picked up. They were still leading over the obstacle course. So in the fifth or sixth day, they caught up virtually completely. Now, if I go through my line of horses, we had the 10 of them. Um, yeah, I can say to you, like Theo, he came around really soft, really engaging. Ocho, also a peach. Romeo, as his namesake. He basically, on day one, you could reach out and touch him. Very strong individual. He loaded himself in the trailer when we moved them. We had to herd them in the trailer to move them to get them to the arena, which became our training area. He loaded himself up, very confident to do that. So here's some of the foals basically stating we're okay. We're either not hanging on to that past issue or we're able to process it. Where this youngster, Raisin, called, we called him Raisin, Raisin the Bar, um, he was burying his head into the rails like this frightened, frightened deer for one, two, three, four days. And so what Kimberly was asked to do was to sit with him, just sit with him outside of his stall, just watch him, just watch him eat, learn about him, learn his movements, try to remove the agenda, allow him to come to you so that when we finally touched him, he could overcome what had been instilled. You, you, just ex- you just you just you just uh, you just went through Newman's entire life story right there. Hmm. <laughs> it was about it was about a month and a half till anybody could touch him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the more he, and, and the more the touch him, the worse he got. <laughs> and that, Jen, there's so much to this because it's how you touch them. If the light the touch is too light, they get spooked. It's too scary. If yeah. The touch is with the fingertips. You you've made a mistake because that's an impression of a predator so the touch is the back of the hand and it's firm enough that the skin doesn't quiver and you've got to know when to touch it's an invitation so you're mm-hmm. watching the energy or feeling the energy whatever you can do between you and the horse to go can i touch them for the first time now you've got to be able to stand there and if they spook be okay so if you spook back, you've just said, oops, there's something terrible to be concerned with. Mm-hmm. So every move you make with that foal, if that foal 
has just turned his head away from you and the person backs up, you're teaching them to turn away. If the fold has said, I'm a little bit worried about this, let me put my head in the corner and, and show you the butt, not aggressively, and you go, oops, they need space, you're training them to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other hand, if you can show them how to face you and say, look, when you see me out of this eye, it's going to be okay. And we had two foals this year that had difficulties transferring information from the left to the right side of the brain. So that meant to get the Holtron, the students were having problems doing this because you could touch the whole left side or the right side, one or the other. But when it came to actually transferring the information, they completely spooked and freaked out. Mm. And so what I, what I showed them was get the fold to face and then work both eyes. Work both eyes so that they're moving the information back and forth. And it's only then that you can get to the off side and begin, begin to desensitize them. Mm. So it was that, that experience of having worked wild horses and foals for, for nearly 15 years to bring that in to go, okay, what's happening here? What's this foal trying to tell you? Because everybody has the story. And that's what you're deciphering is, how can I help you today? What can I do for you today? How can I make this as easy as possible that you can understand it? And so it breaks your heart when you hear the story of them being tackled. These are, these are green. These are f fresh individuals. They're pure. Their first imprint should be perfect, which means we don't ask them anything beyond they can't, that they can't give, you know. So it's, now, so it's horrible to hear that. When are these babies uh, removed from their mothers? In the majority of cases, what happens, if you, if you think about it like this, that they could be born in May. A lot of babies are born around the May mark. In Canada, they stay with their mothers until first frost. So they're actually in a big herd environment. That's beautiful. It's green grass, it's pastures. It might be flatland, could be a little hilly. You've got the trees and you've got the stud there with the mares. They all stay out together as a family. But first frost, the mares come back in. They would have been rebred, so they'd be pregnant at that time, and they go back on the pea line. At that time, they get weaned. It can be quite a dramatic weaning. And then either they're put in holding pens or they're shipped straight off um, to a feedlot. Now, so what's... generally speaking, they would be three months old. So between three and five months, depending on their birth. Okay, so the, the good news is that they have three months with which to spend with their mothers and learn yep. uh, maybe about how to be a baby horse from, from their moms. Um, yep. But then, then um, what are the mom's experience, experiences with, with human handling? There, there's really absolutely no, uh, no humanity introduced at, at this point, it's right? very limited, uh, okay. really. It's that thing of they're more of a product. Actually, if you saw it, they were being treated like cows. Mm. That would be a way to see it. So our cows aren't treated any better. Um, but the mares would come in and they certainly have the, they have the food, they have the water, they have the stores, and there might be straw in the stores. But is there any affection? No. I'm not sure if they're even bathed with the urine. When I was gentling the mares, they had huge issues getting into stools to be able to bathe them. I had huge, huge issues with that, and water was an issue for many of them. Picking out feet was horrendous because they would be put into chutes, and it's what's called a table. 
and so they get squeezed and then the table turns and then they get their feet trimmed. If it's not like that, they get a squeeze and they get the ropes. So a high majority of Premarin mares, you can't touch the feet. And I gentled, uh, um, I think it was about 21 head or so, to undersaddle. They were between 3 and 15, 16 years of age. And I put saddles on about 19 and, and rode them with an assistant. And half of those, we couldn't pick up the feet. They mm. would want to really severely hurt you. They'd be kicking at your head and kicking dramatically. So we could ride but not pick up feet because of what they'd been through. Interesting. And So yeah. from the point of view of the language you're using to um, create some communication with the horses... Can you put an age range of when you go from foal language to horse language? Let's say you have two individuals, neither of which have ever been handled by humans, or they both have had the same negative experience with humans, but one is age X and one is age Y. Where would you put that transition from foal language to horse language? Interesting because, in fact, I would do it on the personality and what they present. So, oh, good getting, answer. That's what I was hoping you'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like Raisin um, because he couldn't handle anybody in the stall. We'd sit outside, and I would do that with the Mustangs too. So I would sit either with them, watch them, read a book, learn about them, allow them to feel who I am and my intention. Now, with a Mustang. Um, I did a Mustang Untouched Horse Clinic in Wyoming this year, and we would pole gentle some of those. So that would mean you'd, you'd have an extension of your arm to pole gentle them. And depending on their ability to assimilate the information so their processing and what impact that would have on them, that's how fast you would go. So some could stand there and go, okay, I'm going to disassociate, and you'd try and engage them to find that sweet spot. Some would go, you know, I'm not going to look at you, while others would face on and go, this is cute, I'll give as much as I can, but but I can only give so much. Now, the difference being the foal, it could be five minutes, and you'd finish there, and, and that was the biggest thing to instill on the students was to say, you know, it's got to be five to 20 minutes, but no longer than that, and maybe two to three times a day. And some of the responses were, well, I do more than this at home. Like, really? Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is a youngster. It's like a toddler in school. You can't do that. You'll fry their mind. And you'll mm-hmm. have a negative response because they're going to not like this. They're not going to have fun with it. They're not going to enjoy it. They will create a behavioral issue. Or they'll be standoffish. Or they'll greet you with the butt because you overdid it. So a foal... His attention or her attention span might be shorter the first few days. Now, if I look at my batch, Ocho's attention span, it was by the end, by day five or six, um, Howard was in there an hour or two, grooming and loving on him and picking up feet because Ocho was able to do that. Romeo was able to do that. If they present it that you can stay there longer, go for it. But it's so you a have fine to, line to read. You have to learn to learn to recognize the horse's signals that he's starting to, to tune out or tire exactly. mentally. Okay. Which, exactly. which brings and up the also, point that you can't, not everybody can do this. And I think that's something important to, to discuss is um, this isn't just for, you know, the average horse owner. 
No, quite right. I, I was just going to add one piece to it. The, the other piece to consider is when the horse is doing really well, don't overdo it. Leave, because yeah. you can still <laughs> fry their mind. Because yeah. you're saying, oh, this is going super. You know, the foal's capable of handling half an hour, an hour. Let's continue because he's digesting it. Well, think about it like this. He could be tolerating it, could be accepting it, but at the same time, if you overdo it like any horse at any age, you'll still fry their mind. So you've got to be able to recognize that less is more. So you're, you're also right to mention, does it apply to everybody? For the students that came in with me, some were pretty green, some were exceedingly experienced, and it can help. I could... Um, allocate the foal accordingly so my gentle foals would go for the less inexperienced sorry the inexperienced people where maybe the tricky foals would go to those more experienced but having said that even if the student would have the feel and the timing it's a brand new thing to gentle and untouched foal it's not for everyone and it's also pretty dangerous because those little hooves can get <laughs> any place they're, they're very the quick. The size of an eye socket, <laughs> you know? So it's this thing of you can get kicked just as easily. And I, I keep on saying love alone won't suffice. Mm. So you've got to create the boundary and the respect. And what happens is people will walk in and go, wow, they've been rescued. I want to love on them more. Wow, these babies are cute. Let them do this, this, and this. So let them nuzzle, let them push you. Will you let that foal push you for a few days? That foal then grows up to be a horse that's going to be pushy. So the boundaries are there that you keep your feet still. You know, who's moving whose feet here? If the foal's gently nudging you two or three steps, he or she's moving your feet. That gives them the leadership from that age, and they learn that they're able to do that. And so the boundaries, when my feet are standing, they are standing still, and you need to yield. So you need to back up from me. So these tiny gestures will go for life. And I'm, I'm quite certain that you could imprint behavior patterns in a few days that would be desirable or undesirable. Could it be fixable? Certainly, I think so. But at the same time, could you have created a behavior pattern that will creep in? I think that too. So it's not for everyone. It can be nerve-wracking. It can be exciting, but you've also kind of got to manage these emotions of have the compassion, have the compassion, but build in the respect. Overhandling is one of the worst things that you can do, and this is what happens. And hence, I created the course to teach people when they're weanlings, when they're three, in this case, three months old, hopefully five or six months old, you would gentle them that you can touch them and groom them and hold them, lead them, pick up feet, farrier positions. If the weather's conducive to it, bathe, obviously not in November in Connecticut, and load, then let them be babies. Turn them out. Don't touch them. Let them be horses. It's mm. So often on the East Coast, the people will want to handle them daily. It's actually not a good thing to do. You've got to let them grow up rough and tumble with their mates. They've got to learn the language of equus. They've got to learn where to place their feet. The best gift you can do is actually turn them out till they're 18 months old. And if you handle them once a month, great. But don't overhandle them. Let them be horses. You do mm. more harm than good handling them too much. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because they get bored, too. So yeah. maybe each week the client might go, well, I'm going to lead them around and pick up feet and groom them, and then I'll teach them something. Well, what are you going to teach them? 
Mm. You're going to bore them. So unless you're going hiking where they're getting to see the nature and the world and learning how to go over stumps and tree stumps and through the little streams and they're learning stuff and it's enjoyment and it's new, great. But if you're repeating a circling game, you're going to ruin that horse. So it's a fine line. Hmm. See, now I'm a real advocate of that, a whole take your horse for a walk thing. Yeah. Not, yeah. Yes, you absolutely. And you've been instilled- my adult horse. <laughs> you, and you you've pounded it into to the brains of your your students. It's, you know, I think that the sum of this is less is more. There's so many people who just think bigger is better and more is better. And and, and it's just like toddlers. You know, it's just like human children is that you they do get bored. Their attention span is small and you have to. Give these babies uh, what they can handle in in chunks, in in easy to swallow chunks. You know, otherwise you you end up choking them. Essentially, it's just yeah. another way of putting it. Um, you know, un- unfortunately, we we're running out of time, Anna. I could just listen to you go on and on and on about this, um, but I would love to find out where um, where horse owners and handlers could find out more information about gentling these feral foals, because I think it would be a fabulous opportunity to help um, improve the lives of the the Premarin horse world, the Premarin horses and their babies. Well, heck, any baby. Any know? baby, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it is applicable to, to any baby, any untouched horse even. You could adapt the methods to the wild horse, the untouched horse, the horse that doesn't want to be caught, the unhandled horse, the one that's had a rough start. Everything that you would see would apply and and more, meaning if, if these methods work really, really well for foals, they will work for all other horses because the foals are so pure. And um, we have our website, reachouttohorses.com, all one word. And we have over 100 YouTube clips from throughout um, my tours, actually, from Norway, Denmark, Sweden, from England, from the United States, Canada. We've put tons and tons of clips up from the clinics, and especially the full handling clinic. We put five clips up for November, for around Thanksgiving time of all of the 10 foals. Now, from my knowledge, about four or five of them have now found their forever homes, adoptive homes, and you can see that on the graduation clips. But there's a few more still looking for for homes. So do get in touch with Rare of Light if you're interested in that. And on that other note, um, we had a four-part DVD series coming out. We're planning for January. We're Right now, we've designed the cover we've got the disc set we just got to approve it and finalize it and it was from last year's foals where we had five and you can literally follow me from the beginning from the feral foals through to foals in training and it's a five-day four-part dvd series it's about six hours in length and we're launching that for new year it's going to be called foals in training 50% 50% of the proceeds will go to the foals and 50% will continue with our education. So it's a really, really neat contribution and it will help everybody, I believe. Anybody that's looking to the, learn the language of the horse from the body language with the energetic piece and visualization. It's so unique what, what I'm doing out there. It's tremendous and it's about keeping the adrenaline down really working on that 50 50 basis to keep the foals safe and give them 
their second chance. So that's how they can find me. That's how they can educate themselves either for free through the YouTube, but also through the comprehensive DVD set. And uh, I think I'm going to see if I can uh, schedule a time to go out and visit Ray of Light Farm because they're not too far from me uh, here in New England. And uh, I know that they have uh, their babies in training clinics where you, you go out there. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I think I'm going to make the effort to, uh, to go catch that. I'm, I'm guessing that you'll be out there again in 2011. Yes, I'm actually out there quite a lot. I've got a June two-day clinic, and then I'm holding my holistic horse course there, which is a two-week certification program. It's going to be at Ray of Light, where people can learn the language of the horse for two weeks. It's a year's program. They go home for 10 months, and they return for two weeks' exams. So that's at Ray of Light, as well as animal communication. And we will have the fall scheduled again for next November. So there's a lot of programs on offer in Connecticut and New York next year. Great. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you. Wonderful. Well, I'm thrilled to have come, and I'm so pleased to spread this message. It's a message that sometimes doesn't get heard, and the education piece really is for for everybody. If we just let the women know that there's an alternative to the hormone replacement therapy, Premarin, and that they can go with herbs in a natural way, it will be far healthier for them and it could save 6,000 foals lives um, because if they, if they don't make it out, they actually go for human consumption in Europe and Asia, which is just heartbreaking mm. and, and it's just hard to say. But the more we can educate, the more we can make a change and realize that these are sentient beings and they deserve a better chance at life. Well, let's let's invite all of the Horse Radio Network listeners, especially the Stable Scoop listeners, uh, to participate in helping to make that change. And I will post links to all of Anna's information, uh, as well as some links to how you can help um, the Premier and Foles and their their moms and Ray of Light Farm and all of this wonderful information. Uh, again, I invite you, all of our listeners, to get involved and help make a change. Anna, my greatest thanks to you for joining us again today. I really, really am thrilled to be back. Um, thank you so much for having me, and and I love chatting to you guys, and I always look forward to coming back. So have a have a wonderful festive season. Thank you. Same to you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, you know what, Jen? Hmm. I could talk to Anna for weeks. I usually say, Glenn, we could talk to that person for hours and hours and hours and hours. I could talk to <laughs> Anna for weeks. Yeah. She is so good at vocalizing the whole um, language of Equus thing that Monty got started. Yeah. She's very good at getting it across to somebody who doesn't get it verbally, yeah. because yeah. that's one of the things that Monty is not good at, good at is talking. Yeah, <laughs> He's she great cannot- to talk to, but he is not a, a verbal communicator. And, and she articulates... Uh, yeah. Feelings. There are things that you can only feel, things that become intuitive, and she's very good at articulating those and, and therefore teaching others. Well, and she so, breaks it down into tiny little pieces. Yep. She, I think she is more tuned into the fact that most people don't even know what a horse is. I like the tiny pieces analogy because it's true. It's, it, it's, it's sort of it's linear learning. You have to master piece number one, two, and three before you can go on and even comprehend pieces four, five, and six. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think, like you said, she breaks that down so that you do have the opportunity to uh, to understand the basics, the foundations, before moving on to the more complex stuff. And, you know, I, I'm sort of of this philosophy that 
you, you know, like she said, less is more. Simplify, simplify, simplify. But really, gentling foals is not so simple. It, it's very complex. So, but she does break it down into simple, easy to swallow bites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I look forward to having her back on in the future and getting out to that Ray of Light farm. I'm like chomping. Yeah, that that would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, this she's another episode of Stable Scoop. Come and gone. In the can. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna we're gonna be back next Friday, aren't we, with another episode? Yeah, but I think that's plenty. <laughs> that is plenty. For details <laughs> about today's show, go to www.stablescoop.com and you will find links, photos, and more information about today's guests. As always, we love your feedback. So please follow us on Facebook. You can find us under Stable Scoop. We're also on Twitter at Horse Radio. Of course, you're always welcome to leave us feedback at stablescoop.com forward slash contact. And many thanks to our sponsors, Equestrian Collections and Uncle Jimmy's Products. <laughs> and be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. 